What's up, guys? I'm Jared Lopes, and you're listening to the Dad Tired Podcast, where I'm helping everyday families learn how to follow Jesus in everyday life. How's it going, guys? Jared Lopes back here with you on the Dad Tired Podcast. It is good to be with you. If you just stumbled upon the podcast, welcome. We're glad to have you. Uh, we'd love to have you come hang out with us. You could do that by going to dadtired.com, clicking the community tab. That will link you over to a closed group that we have on Facebook with thousands of guys from around the world who are taking their faith, their family, and their marriage very seriously. If you haven't picked up the Stop Behaving devotional written for the Dad Tired community, it's a great devotional to go through with a couple other guys from your church or community or work or wherever. Uh, it's basically talking about what does the gospel look like when it starts to impact our heart, our marriage, our kids, and our work. So uh, pick up a copy of that. You can do that by going to dadtired.com and clicking the devotional tab. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that I've been geeking out uh, or fascinated with the topic of rest and with Sabbath. I'm trying to implement these rhythms of rest and Sabbath in my own life, mainly because I just felt like this deep sense of my soul is tired. Uh, and there's there's something, there's got to be something that God and the Holy Spirit are like working in me to figure out like, why is my soul tired? My, my rest, not just like my actual sleep, but all of what it means to rest feels out of rhythm. And so I kind of, I've been, I've been just studying it as much as I can. I've been reading everything I can get my hands on about this particular topic, uh, which led me to who I have on today. Uh, we have a guest on today named AJ Swoboda, who is a pastor here in the Portland area. Uh, just a brilliant young man, uh, young man. That sounds weird. I'm a young man. It's weird being a young man calling someone else a young man. He's brilliant. It doesn't matter how old he is. He's brilliant. He's just just a super smart dude. But beyond that, he's just a faithful follower of Jesus who's uh, trying to shepherd people really well. He just wrote a book. Um, that came out called Sub- Subversive Sabbath, uh, and he's been studying this topic for years and put it in book form for us to read. Anyway, it's a long conversation, but uh, I promise you, you're going to get a lot out of today's interview. So as always, I'll step aside and let AJ do what he does best and point us towards Jesus. Without further ado, here's my friend, AJ. <laughs> All right, AJ. Well, man, it means the world to me that you took the time to hang out with us today. Uh, before we actually even get started, I, normally I have you do an introduction, uh, but you just released a book today. So maybe part of your introduction is you can tell us who you are, what you're up to these days, and tell us a little bit about the book that just launched uh, this very day that we're recording. Yeah, I'd love to. Well, yeah, um, I live here in uh, inner southeast Portland, uh, Oregon, and I pastor a church called Theophilus. My wife, Quinn, and my son, Elliot, and our six chickens live here in the <laughs> Hawthorne district of Portland, and we love it. And uh, I get to do some uh, some teaching. Kind of, My background is uh, I um, did, did my work overseas and uh, did a PhD in theology. So I do a lot of academic work, and I teach, uh, re- teach a lot at Fuller Seminary and Portland Seminary and Multnomah University, and I run a a doctor of ministry program, uh, all in the life of the Holy Spirit at Fuller. So I get to do some teaching and I love that. And, um, I do some writing too. And, uh, I spent the last uh, three years, uh, sort of researching and putting together this, this book on the Sabbath called Subversive Sabbath. And, um, I've, I've, you know, this is my ninth book, and I, I can say with confidence that of all the things that I've had the opportunity and the privilege to getting to write that this one, um, 
really hits home for me more than anything else that I've, I've written. So it's a joy to be with you and, uh, and get to pursue Jesus with you. Yeah, man. Well, we had a, we had a guest on the show before another fellow, uh, Portland pastor, John Mark Comer was on a while back and, uh, all three of us live in the Portland area and I I was flipping through his Instagram story (laughs) <laughs> and he had put your uh, book up there that he, he had, a ch- had a chance to read your book and said it. he said it was one of the best, if not his favorite book on Sabbath, which, you know, mm. uh, coming from John Mark, is that that's a big endorsement because mm. the guy mm. reads quite a bit. Mm. Uh, mm. You know, he, he appreciates a good read. Um, so that's mm. what, that's what, that's how I found you. I just, you know, thank God for Instagram stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, John Mark is a, is, as you know, he's a, a big time proponent of, of Sabbath, mm-hmm. uh, rhythms and, uh, to, to have that kind of endorsement from John Mark really means the world, but yeah, yeah, yeah. what's well, a really important topic. And I'm really glad, um, that the message of the Sabbath is starting to, to get out there a little bit. Yeah. So when does Sabbath isn't, it's a, it's an interesting topic. Um, uh, not very many people have conversations around the topic of Sabbath. I grew up in the church, uh, and I can't tell you a single time uh, that I remember really learning anything about it other than when memorizing the Ten Commandments, maybe. Mm, but outside of mm. that, I uh, just was not taught anything on the Sabbath. When did you start to kind of ship? Did somebody influence your thinking on Sabbath? Did you read something? Did God put something on your heart? How, how did you start to get uh, talking about this topic? Yeah, it's a great question. I think there are two um, immediate things that come to mind. Uh, the first is an experience that I had about 10 years ago. Where I had um, what tantum, I, I think it's fair to say, it was not a full burnout experience, but it was the beginnings of uh, what could have easily become a burnout experience. Mm-hmm. And about ten years ago, I was in college ministry at the University of Oregon and worked eighty hours a week, and I just it was just really bad, mm-hmm. and my life began to fall apart. And it was the sheer grace of God that I had been reading uh, a book by Eugene Peterson. In which he he describes this this Sabbath idea, which I had already you know sort of always assumed was on par with those Old Testament commandments against like not eating bacon and stuff. Right, and right. Um, and through reading my Bible, it it honestly became clear to me that uh, I had completely misunderstood the nature of this day of rest. Uh, and the, the second actually was was just three years ago, uh, two and a half years ago. I I preached. I decided to preach on the Sabbath in our church for three weeks and. Uh, you know, generally, I would think something like that would be just a welcome uh, notion. But I preached for three weeks, and uh, you know, I've preached on things in our church that have upset all sorts of people. I've preached on sexuality. I've preached against marijuana because I live in Portland. I got to right. preach on that sometimes. And right. um, I've preached on things that have upset people, and I preached for the sa- on the Sabbath for three weeks, and I. I don't think we've ever seen more people leave our church. Wow. And w- what was so shocking to me about that experience was. Um, the kind of hostility that I experienced in simply suggesting that God wanted us to rest. Um, and it, it even, I was in a, an elder meeting at our church, and we were talking about the Ten Commandments and the Sabbath, and and it dawned on me, I had this epiphany that, you know, as a pastor, if I break nine of these commandments, right, if I cheated on my wife, I'd probably lose my job. If I... Um, you know, started to lie about church finances or stole church finances, like my job would be in jeopardy. If I murdered somebody, I definitely would lose my job. Right. Um, but it, it, I had this just dark epiphany that if I, uh, if I don't take a day of rest a week, 
um, I'll probably get a raise. Hmm. And this, this epiphany that literally we've structured our church to support and celebrate people not resting. Hmm. And that, 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 when, when I did, when that happened, that was a wake up call to me that this is such an under discussed topic. And, and not to mention that we're all just so stinking tired. Right. Yeah. So what, I mean, I, I can understand people feeling like they, the Sabbath maybe is misunderstood. They don't know all of, you know, what it means or God's intent for it. But why were people leaving? Like why, why were people mad? Well, I think, I think there, there are probably a variety of reasons. And by the way, for the last three years of, as I've been researching this book since, since that experience, and even in the last you know, six months as I've had the opportunity to kind of travel and talk about this idea, I, I think it's the same thing across the board. I don't think it's unique to my church. I think at the end of the day, uh, two things. For, I think, first of all, as Americans, I think there is a fundamental idolatry around time. I think that we worship our time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's even built into our language, right? Uh, I'll make time, which <laughs> mm-hmm. so I, will you, Creator of the universe? <laughs> right. Is that true? Yeah. Right. Will you make some? Right. Um, I mean, we as a pastor, I've even observed that people give money so that they don't have to give time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it, the time is one of the last things that we want to um, bring to Jesus to say, Jesus, my time is not my time. Uh, it's actually your time. Mm. And I, I think the second thing is, I think in a world that, um, in a Western in a world like our own, where we worship productivity and accomplishment, the Sabbath is perceived as an enemy to that. Mm. And it, 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 in some senses, it is. It is an enemy to our idolatry of work. Which you go back to Genesis 3, immediately when Adam and Eve sinned, uh, God warned Adam and said, you know, the result of this sin is that you will start to worship your work. You will work the ground and uh, it will produce thorns for you and you will find your identity in your work. Um, and when, when we've created a world where we find our identity in what we produce and in, in, in what we do for work, uh, the Sabbath is very threatening. Uh, but Jesus is not interested in ever enabling us to continue down the road of idolatry. He's never comfortable with that. Hmm. So what were, I mean, what, I'm sorry if I'm like getting stuck on this topic. It's just so interesting to me. Uh, It makes sense to me, but I'm curious, you know, you're able to articulate and say, this is an idol. This is something that we worship. Obviously people, when they're feeling angry, they can't identify the idols that they're worshiping at the time. Mm. Um, Mm. What, what, what kinds of comments were they saying? Like what, what was it that they could articulate was offensive? Yeah. Well, I think the, the, uh, Interestingly enough, the, the the individuals that had the hardest time with it, um, interestingly enough, were moms. Hmm. Um, in and, and I th- I think a, a lot of it had to do with you know how, how I'm already giving myself fully to ensure that my kids are okay, put food on the table, do the right thing, and now I have to do this. It's mm. it's almost perceived as a kind of additional thing we've got to do on top yep. of everything else. One more thing to think. About. One more thing that has to be done. When yeah. in reality, it's it's not a to do list. Like it, it's similar to breathing. Like if 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 you stopped breathing, you would you would you would die. And if you stop resting the truth is if you stop sleeping you're gonna die yeah. i mean the truth when you when you look at the bible it sabbath is actually not 
negotiable. You will Sabbath. It's called heaven. I mean, Hebrews 4 talks about our future dimension of being at rest for, for all eternity with God. Hmm. Um, but even on this earth, if we don't rest now, we, we will Sabbath. Mm-hmm. We will take a sabbatical. It will happen. Um, we, we will we will be forced to rest. And so I think going back to those initial things two and a half years ago, um, I, I think number one is it was perceived as just an additional thing that we've got to do. And secondarily is um, is that it, it steps on all of our preconceived notions of what it means to be a human being, that we we perceive our value in being about what we do. And, and, and Sabbath just is so threatening to, the, to that. Yeah, shifts our identity. Totally. Uh, so, so the people, you know, I, I've heard people say, no need for Sabbath. It's one of the commandments that we no longer have to think about or uh, obey. Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath. You know, what are your Which, response to this? Well, well, I mean, I w- you, for example, if you go to the Ten Commandments, as you just suggested, I would be curious if anybody else would apply that same principle to not murdering or to... Um, not not sleeping around, not committing adultery, or not lying. Like generally speaking, when you look at the Ten Commandments, um, nine of them. There's none of those nine nine of them that we would go, oh yeah, that's so for today. Like I don't know anybody that's saying the whole "don't murder" thing is just Old Testament narrative. We don't need to worry about that. Um, I mean, the Ten Commandments are the heartbeat of God, and we've essentially turned uh, the Ten Commandments into nine commandments and one extra credit, one suggestion. Mm. Um, but even for the person, the, the truth is, I mean, b- biblically, and, and, and we've got to be very clear about this, as Christians, we are not bound by the law. The truth is, Galatians, you know, three, uh, in Galatians three, Paul's very, uh, three, four, he says, you know, very clearly, like when the seed comes, when Jesus comes, that we would no longer be bound by the law. But even if one makes the articulation that we don't need to Sabbath based on that, we've got to understand that Sabbath predates any of the law. It's built into creation. When God created Adam and Eve on day six and then said, rest for a day. I mean, this is way, God invites Adam and Eve to take a day of rest before he ever said a lick of anything about not murdering. Hmm. I mean, this is built into creation, which is why when we read the Ten Commandments and we see God say, remember the Sabbath, and he says, it's not just for you, it's for the people that work for you and the animals for creation. It's for everybody. Uh, It's because we were created to need rest. And to not rest is to live a genetically modified life. God never created us to not rest. So it's built into us. We need it. Um, uh, you know, b- by the way, I should point out, I think that the Sabbath in Genesis 1 and 2 uh, is the first image of the gospel in the entire Bible. Um, mm. God created Adam and Eve on day six, and day seven was a day of rest. And it should not, we should not lose the fact, we should not ignore the fact that for Adam and Eve, their very first day of existence was a day of rest. They were created on day six and rested on day seven. Wow. They came out and rested immediately, which is the heart of God. If the devil worked the world, then it would be you work for six days and then maybe I'll give you a day off. But that's not the way God works. We always rest first. And any message that ever says, clean up your act, go to church, tithe, stop sleeping around, do all this stuff, and God will finally love you, that is not good news. That is fake good news. Good news is always you are loved first in Jesus, and out of resting in Him, you get the work done. It is the first image of the gospel in the whole Bible. Man, so good, which is why uh, in the Jewish 
tradition, right? They actually start the Sabbath with rest. Is that right? At yep, night? Exactly. Yeah. So you begin the evening of Friday sleeping. That's profound, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The very beginning is rest. Listen, my son, when, all of life is based on this principle when you look at it. My son, I remember when my son was in my wife's womb. He was in there for nine months, right? Well, you know what he did for nine months? Nothing. <laughs> you know what he did when he came out? He's been out for six years. And you know what he's been doing for six years? Well, he has not been working. <laughs> I can tell you this. He has been eating my food and playing Legos for six years. <laughs> That's what he has been doing. Right. And I look at that guy and I go, and he's going to get a job someday. Don't worry. I'm going to te- Pharaoh here is going to ensure that he gets a job <laughs> at some point. Right. But my point is, even my, all of our lives began with rest and mm. enjoyment. Mm. That is the, the heartbeat of God. It's always enjoy me first. And then once you've done that, then we'll get to work. Yeah. So that, so you've touched on it in the last couple minutes here, but you know, it kind of begs the question. We see Adam, or we see uh, God in the Old Testament taking Sabbath so seriously that you see guys like picking up sticks and they're dying yeah. on the Sabbath. Yeah. You know, just explicitly, what what do we learn in Scripture? Why is this so important to God? You've you've, mm. you've touched on it, but why is this such an important thing for God? Well, you bring up, by the way, a hard passage. I mean, there is that distinct passage where the the man on the Sabbath. Uh, picks up sticks and and God kills him and what what a hard passage and I don't know if I'm prepared to preach on that one anytime soon. Right. It's a hard text. Um, when you read that in context, though, where where did that story happen? It came after Israel had been in Egypt for years, mm-hmm. and what we learn about Israel when they come out of Egypt is that they had been in a land, they'd been in Egypt, and they had been slaved. There there had been no rest for years and years and years, and finally God brings them out of Egypt and they're free. Um, as N.T. Wright kind of, he says quite often, uh, one of his favorite lines that he says is, he says, you know, it's not hard for God to get Israel out of Egypt, but it's really hard for God to get Egypt out of Israel. Mm. And when Israel comes out of Egypt, we find all of a sudden that all of the old tendencies that they had in Egypt, they start going back to. They start worshiping the golden calf. They start becoming workaholics. And I think what God was doing in that point when that guy was killed was he was attempting to break their ways of idolatry and saying, no, I'm serious. You live in a new way now. I am your God. Egypt and work are not your God. And there are times, you know, listen, I've had friends, I, I know people who've had heart attacks because they work too hard. Hmm. And in a way, that's that's a picture of God giving somebody over to their heart, their choices of, of idolatry and saying, listen, I'm giving you over to your, your choices. And I, I know that sounds kind of harsh, but the truth is if we want to burn ourselves out, we can. Hmm. Um, we, we can burn ourselves out with work uh, and, and get killed for it in our heart. I mean, we can literally kill ourselves uh, working. You know, so I, I think throughout the whole Bible, the image is this. Sabbath is in creation. Sabbath is in the law. Sabbath is in Jesus. Jesus always kept a Sabbath. He went to synagogue on the Sabbath. In fact, I want to point out Jesus both healed on the Sabbath and Jesus as well um, constantly is driving out demons on the Sabbath. I think we got to understand that there's probably a spiritual warfare side to keeping a Sabbath, and that is that the devil hates it when we rest. And the, the Sabbath is in our future. Uh, the book of Hebrews describes heaven as being uh, this, this dimension of Sabbath that we have in Jesus. I mean, the whole Bible from beginning to end is got this paradigm of rest. Mm. Um, 
But unfortunately, we generally build our theology of the Sabbath not on the Bible, but on cliche. I don't know how many times I've heard a pastor or some well-intentioned Christian say something to the effect of, I don't need to take a rest because the devil never takes a Sabbath. Uh, to which I would respond, at what point did we start basing our discipleship model on what the devil is doing today? Mm-hmm. At what point were we like, well, let's see what Satan's doing today, and we'll do that. Um, <laughs> that's that's actually why he's the devil. He's grumpy. He's exhausted. Mm-hmm. He's never ha- He doesn't know how to rest. Hell will be a place with no rest. Mm-hmm. The devil has no idea how to rest. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's just... It's, it's, it, what I've found in writing this book is you, you can't go very far in the Bible without this constant theme of learning how to rest. Jesus in the Gospel of Mark is described as the, the Lord of the harvest and also the Lord of the Sabbath. And the principle is that he is the Lord of both our work and the Lord of our rest. Yeah, man. So take me through that, you know, that big picture. We're kind of, uh, we've got the, the why down. What does it look like practically? You, you're, mm. you're a dad, you're a husband. Yes. Uh, you know, what, what does Sabbath day yep. for you look like? Is it a well, certain day or are there certain things you have to do and not do? Yeah, great question. Well, obviously, um, the, the initial question that comes up is, well, what day is it? And that, and that is a, 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 a frankly, a sticky question because there are whole denominations that have been built on depicting, you know, describing that it has to be one day. And I think Paul at the end of Colossians is pretty stinking clear when he says, hey, listen, guys, don't bicker about what day the Sabbath is. Don't bicker about what the new moon is. I I think what he's saying is he's saying that those sort of uh, regulations around what day it needs to be are not the point of the Sabbath. I think that he's freeing us from that. I don't think that the, the day matters. I think what matters is that we're taking a day, a week, to stop, be with God, and be with the people that we love. This is what our family does. I come home on Friday night, which, by the way, as a pastor, uh, never can it be a Sunday. And if, if the Sabbath is a Sunday, then I'm toast. Because there is there has never been a day in Christian history, ever once, where a pastor has come home from work on Sunday and gone, well, that was a, a refreshing experience. <laughs> right. um, I mean, it's just it's just killer, man. It so is, you, yeah. we got to find a day. For me and my family, we do Saturday. So on Friday night, and it's not because the Jews do it, it's just because it's the best day of week for us. Friday night, I come home, we light these Sabbath candles, we sing a Sabbath song together, and we eat a really big meal. And we go to sleep and we rest well. And in the morning, this is my favorite part of the Sabbath, and we do this every week. Uh, On the morning of the Sabbath, Saturday morning, my little boy, six years old, Elliot, he comes up to our room. Quinn, my wife, gets to sleep in on Sunday mornings if we do things well. And my son comes up and he wakes me up. And he he always gets right up in my face and he goes, Papa, it's the Sabbath! (laughs) And he, he gets me and we go downstairs and we go into the kitchen and we get this huge bowl. And my son and I in the kitchen make the biggest batch of pancakes you could ever imagine and we stand over that uh over that that stove and we make the best pancakes you've ever had by this point the wife comes downstairs and my son just pours maple syrup on his on his pancakes and the reason we do pancakes it's actually really important that we do something really sugary on saturday and here's Mm. why there's an old jewish tradition where fathers were to get up before all the kids on the sabbath and were to get a spoon of honey for every child in the household. Hmm. And they would do this for one reason, so that the child would never forget the sweetness of God's rest. Hmm. And my goal, we don't do honey, we do maple syrup, but my goal is in 50 years, when I'm dead and gone, 
that my son, if anybody even says the word Sabbath around him, he'll just start to drool because he is, he has been trained that the Sabbath is so sweet. And I got to be honest with you, um, that I, when, when, when we talk about the Sabbath, it's not just for me, it's for my boy too. And I got to tell you, I've been in, in the church world for long enough to know that there's a whole generation of PKs who absolutely hate the church because they see the church as having stolen their mom and their dad from yeah. them. Yeah. And what I love about the Sabbath is the Sabbath is the good news of Jesus for my little boy. Yeah. And as a pastor, I know how easy it is to, to put my son on the back burner for the sake of ministry. And so many of us say we do not believe in child sacrifice, but we do. Mm. And that we live our lives sacrificing our children all the time for the sake of our idolatry and the things that we worship. And I think the Sabbath at the end of the day is the good news of Jesus for my son, because it is God telling his dad, get home, get on your knees and play Legos with your boy. Mm. Jeez, and dude. I need that. Yeah. Jeez. We should end there, man. That's <laughs> Uh, you know, we just started uh, doing Sabbath. This is a new practice for us as we're trying to stumble our way through Sabbathing every week. And uh, my, we're only a couple weeks in, and my son said, well, I think maybe the first week, like, Daddy, what about if you we need money? Like, what, how, what do you mean you're not going to uh, work today? Uh, what if we need uh, money? And it was such a cool opportunity for me to say, Son, Daddy is not the real provider of this family. Mm, we serve mm, a God who's the real provider of this family. Mm, we can rest because we have one who provides for us. Uh, mm, and just such a cool picture, like you were saying, to point our kids uh, to the gospel and to the good news of yes. Jesus from an early age, man. Yes. Uh, yes. So, so for guys that are like, okay, I've never done this. I, you know, I'm, I want to start going through it here. Like, what, what are some practical things? What can a guy start to do? What are some practices mm. that they can start to implement this week? Boy, that's a great question. Um, I do think, you know, I, I, I'm cautious to say this just because I don't want to sound uh, sort of self-promotional here, but I, there are resources that are available to read that can help sort of shape uh, the way the way you think about this. Yeah, throw them out, throw them out, man. Subversive Sabbath that I've written is a is a, is a resource that's available. Mm -hmm. um, John Mark Comer's uh, 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 book Garden City talks a, a great deal about the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. um, Abram Heschel's book is a, is a Jewish rabbi uh, called The Sabbath is is phenomenal. There's just uh, a twenty four six by a guy named Matthew Sleeth. There's all these great books out there. Mm. Um, I would say I would say secondly, so read it read a good book. I would say secondly. Um, would be um, to to just start doing it. And that is, um, don't think that the best way to Sabbath is that you got to go learn all about it and then do it. Sometimes we learn best just by throwing ourselves into it. Yeah. I have observed two things. Number one, I've never met anybody who accidentally Sabbathed. Right. So meaning, like I've never met anybody who just woke up in the morning and just like, I don't know what happened. I, I rested all day. But right. I've also, here's another thing, I've never met anybody who used to Sabbath. And why that's important for me is it is so life-giving that I've never met anybody who did it who was like, this just isn't working out. It is so life-giving. Uh, it's hard. It is hard. But it is life-giving. And I would say just start trying it. Don't wait till you understand it. Just start trying it. 
And I would say number three, don't see the Sabbath as a day um, where you're supposed to sit in your room and do nothing. Yeah. Um, the 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 Psalms uh, consistent in Jeremiah uh, and Isaiah describe uh, the Sabbath as delight. The word is used delight over and over and over again in the Old Testament. And I think we have permission to see the Sabbath as a day where we get to enjoy our life. If you love to fish, go fishing on the Sabbath. If you love to be alone and you're an introvert, be alone on the Sabbath. If you love to just be with your friends, do it. There's nothing I think Jesus actually, well, Jesus is always right, but I I think Jesus said something in the Gospels that's very liberating. When he he said, if an ox falls into the ground, is it better to to help the ox out to save life or to take life? And I think that is the principle, that whatever is life-giving should be what the Sabbath is all about. And don't get, listen, don't shame yourself that you need to just sit around your butt all day and do nothing shame let me put it this way shame is work so if you're feeling shameful <laughs> that is work and you're not sabbathing no yeah. shame so this might that might answer this next question but i had the thought like what what if a guy is listening to this right now and he thinks like aj you're you're the best this is the best news i've ever heard i'm so glad that you gave me permission sunday i'm gonna just watch football all day kind of check uh, out from being uh, <laughs> out of touch yes. with my family and uh, i get a free pass here and call it sabbath yep i had a guy i had a millennial um i had a millennial uh i, I did this thing and young guy came to me and he said that's awesome i'm, I'm just gonna it's so it's okay to binge watch game Th- game of thrones <laughs> and i said i said to him i said well listen here's the deal you got to take the sabbath commandment but you've also got to remember all the other stuff the bible says hmm. and that is whatever is good and righteous right. uh, uh, and think Think about these things. And I'm telling you, when you watch Game of Thrones, dude, you're not filling your mind with things that edify Jesus. So right. you got to take what the Sabbath says and, and you got to do the other stuff in the Bible too. Um, that doesn't mean that on the Sabbath that we that becomes essentially a way to baptize our selfish desires in some sacred commandment. Um, we got to be faithful to the other things in Scripture. Is there anything wrong with watching a football game on Sunday? Absolutely not. But we're also called not to forsake the, the gathering of people, of God's people. So um, it's a, there's a tension, right? So that it's not the Sabbath is not an, a hall pass to sin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not right. It's not permission to do whatever we want, but it is a permission by God to enter into the things that bring life to our soul, our families, our lives, our minds, our wives. Um, I, I got to tell you this too. This should be great news for your your listeners as well. Um, on the Sabbath, my wife and I, every Sabbath. Uh, if things go well, my son gets to watch a movie and uh, my wife and I get to take a, quote, nap. <laughs> now, I'll tell you, it is the best nap you could ever imagine. And I love this nap and because I get lucky and, and it's it's phenomenal. <laughs> and actually, in the Jewish tradition, this is so great, great news. In the Jewish tradition, the sad, the Sabbath was always understood as the day where you were obliged to make love. Like, mm. so I have a friend, Matthew, uh, Nancy Sleeth, who wrote a great book on on, uh, on on a lot of this stuff. She was raised in the Jewish home, became a Christian later in life, and she describes growing up in the family, and her Jewish father would always come home on Friday nights with a bouquet of flowers and a really big smile on his face <laughs> because he knew the Sabbath was finally here, right? It had been all week long. And I, I got to say, the Sabbath is God's gift to marriages too. Mm. Like what a gift to have one day a week where I get to focus on my bride, 
who I love with my whole heart, and I married 15 years ago, because all week long, I'm being pulled all over the place, but one day a week, I get to look my wife in the face, and I get to be her best friend again. And sometimes, if I'm lucky, I get two naps. Sometimes, <laughs> if I'm lucky, if it's a good Sabbath. But I'm telling you, uh, the, the, the Sabbath is for marriage, and God has given this as a gift that our relationships would be healthy. How much of the how much of the uh, what you do on Sabbath was something that you and your wife had to plan out together? Uh, oh yeah 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 oh of course yeah you don't just uh, don't don't presume <laughs> that that just means that you don't need to ask for permission because some I'm guys just, would be some guys would be really happy that you just said that like all right I'll skip football and get to just sleep with my <laughs> wife a little bit <laughs> that's even better yes, upgraded yes. it <laughs> listen. What's so incredible about the Sabbath commandment in Genesis 1 and 2, when you read the original Sabbath commandment in its context, in a patriarchal world where women were seen as nobodies in the ancient world, mm. is how powerful is it that when God tells Adam and Eve to take a day of rest, that he did not just tell Adam to take a day of rest? Mm. In the ancient world, women were expected to essentially be slaves to their husband. And God said to Adam and Eve to rest. And that means God is saying, this rest is for your wife too. This is not just for you. If you think the day of rest is for you to sit around and watch TV while your wife is in the kitchen and doing all the work, then you've just created a slave. And if your Sabbath is anybody's slavery, then it's not Sabbath. It is for the two of you. And to, to be able to create that day together and think through what is this going to look like? What do we love doing? It is hard because obviously in marriage, often our spouse is very different than we are. I'm a radical introvert and my mom, my wife is an extrovert. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we've got to negotiate that. There are times that we do what she wants and there are times that we do what I want, but we've got to learn to share and and do it well together. And the the rule is, if either of us are always getting what we want, then we're not doing the Sabbath well. Jeez, dude, that's good. Is it is it okay to do things separately? Like, uh, oh could, you, could you send your wife to go do something extrovert while you go to a coffee shop and read a book or sit quietly? Well, I don't have permission to speak where the scriptures don't necessarily give direction. And I think that the silence on that in scripture gives us permission to explore all the creative dimensions uh, that we want to. I, if there's one place in the Bible that would inform that, it would be the first Sabbath with Adam and Eve. And on, on that day, what did Adam and Eve do? They walked around with God in the Garden of Eden and just enjoyed everything God had made. Mm-hmm. And I think that there should be some dimension of the Sabbath where we are doing that with the people, with our wives, that we are doing that with the people that we love uh, the most. But friend, there are times on the Sabbath that honestly, I just need to be by myself, not with my family because I'm a radical introvert. And I have found that God frees me to do that. Here's the deal. We are, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And because we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we believe that the Spirit of God can speak to us, correct us, and teach us. And I think that your listeners and I and you have permission to trust that the Spirit of God will speak to us when we're doing it wrong, and that we can be reminded that He will speak to us and show us, listen, you need to be with your wife right now. Listen, she needs to have some time by herself right now. Just trust that the Spirit of God can speak to us. Yep. AJ, thank you for taking the time, man. Such good stuff. Uh, I'm excited to dive into your book and have our listeners dive into it as well. We'll keep the conversation going. But man, I know you've got a lot going on, so I really appreciate you hanging out today. Yeah, it's an honor to be with you. And to all the dads uh, who listen in, to listen to this, uh, God is with you and God really, really likes you. And he doesn't want you to burn out and he wants you to, he wants you to be at peace in your heart. And so 
Yeah, God is with you. Amen. Thanks, AJ. We'll talk to you soon.